Uh, we're going to look at Psalm 16 this evening. Uh, Pastor did Psalm 8, so we're going to double it this week. He did Psalm 8 last week. And uh, who all requested Psalm 16? Do you have hands? Only one, Kurt. Bless your heart. Kurt, this psalm's for you. <laughs> all right, it's so good to be here this evening. And uh, as we look at Psalm 16, we can see that David's mind was uh, going from one thought to another. And uh, does your mind ever do that? No, it certainly does, doesn't it? That just goes to show you that David is just human like we are. Uh, we like to put some of these uh, biblical characters up on pedestals, but they're human, and uh, his thoughts were just going all over the place, and ours does too sometimes, especially when we pray. Do you ever have problems with that? Whenever that you're praying, that your thoughts start moving from one thing to the next, then you have to come back and say, Lord, forgive me. I just need to get back on track here. Well, uh, we'll find that David began by thanking God for his protection and his trust in God. And actually, that's the theme of Psalm 16, our trust in the Lord in our future, looking at our future. And in verse 3, we find that his attention uh, moved to, to those who are faithful in God. And then in verse 4, he changes and he starts now thinking about those who have turned to other gods those who are unfaithful. So his mind's wandering. And then uh, we find that in verse 5 and 6 that he, he thinks about his inheritance and his heritage in the Lord. And then in verse 7 and 8, he is thankful to the Lord for, uh, for giving him counsel and being with him, teaching him. In verse 9, 10, and 11, he rejoices in the hope of his future and his eternal security. And so we want to look at verse, uh, 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 Psalm 16 and, and let us read this. Uh, it says that it's a, it's a mictum of David. Now, not exactly sure what a mictum is. Uh, we find that uh, it, it kind of refers to protection uh, or covering. Uh, but then whenever that we look at uh, uh, Psalms 56 through 60, which also has that in the title, that it's a victim of David. But those are songs to the choir director. So it may even have something to do with a musical note. I'm not exactly sure. And uh, they, I've, I've tried to do some research, and I couldn't find uh, where, there, uh, where it actually said what a victim was. But we can see in these psalms where it does definitely refer to protection and definitely refers to covering. So let us read uh, the 16th Psalm. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord, my, go my goodness extendeth not to thee. But to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Well, their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasteneth after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup thou, thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also, instru uh, also instruct me in the night seasons. And I have set the Lord always before me 
because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. That'd make a good song, wouldn't it? I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Yeah, yeah. There, therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy, and in thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So as we read that Psalms, uh, we see that uh, the word mictum may definitely mean to cover or to protect. Uh, but yet when we look at it over in some of the other Psalms, it could refer to a musical term. But we find disappointments are part of our life, Right? Have any of you had disappointments in your journey so far? Well, I see a few hands. Absolutely. We all have disappointments in our journey of life. Despair sometimes can creep in, and uh, it, uh, it leaves us clouded on, on the view of life around us, doesn't it? But then uh, we find that if we are not careful that uh, we can become weary, and our weariness then will try to convince us that just give up. Just quit. That's what weariness will do to you. And we have that weariness because we're just so tired of foregoing all of the issues and the disappointments that we're faced with in life. And David was no stranger, you see, to disappointments. And uh, he, didn't, he was no stranger to weariness. He got weary at times. And we find that he would always turn to the Lord. Uh, we see this in many of his psalms where he says, Deliver me. Or, hear my cry, O Lord. Or, have mercy on me. Oh, he had disappointments, and he grew weary at times. And we do too in our lives, don't we? And because we're just he's as human as, as David was. But uh, we can learn a lot about adversities, and we can learn a lot about God's faithfulness as we look at the Psalms and we look at David's experiences. And that's what we'll do here this evening. One thing is for sure, as you look at David's life, you won't find the absence of suffering. Uh, you won't find the absence of hardship. And you won't find the absence of difficulties. And when you look at your life, you find that we're not absent from those things either, are we? We experience a lot of those things. I had a gentleman this morning that I was talking to in the lobby here, and, and he was talking about his aunt and how weary that she has grown because of her pain and her suffering and and how that she just wonders if God has forsaken her. Because God does not forsake us. He's always with us. But through all of the problems and the difficulties, the pain and the suffering that we go through in life, sometimes we get weary. And our weariness will try to make us just give up and just quit. But there's no place to quit. As Christ followers, we find all things, all of these things are part of our life's journey. They're there, and it's, it's evident. We see that in life, and we see it all around us. And even though Satan, you see, continues to oppose and to resist us, God continues to bless us. Isn't that interesting? God continues to bless us and to extend His grace, to extend His mercy, and to extend His strength, even as He did for David. And He will bring relief and freedom to our lives when we make him a part of our lives and we trust him 
with all that is within us, as David did. You see, being a person of faith, it does not eliminate the difficulties and the disappointments and the discouragements that we face in life. Sometimes people will tell you, say, do you just give your heart and your life to the Lord and everything will be fine. God will take care of all of your issues and your problems. Well, I think that's probably a misnomer. I find that the scripture tells us that if you follow Christ, things might get a little worse for you. Uh, why? Because they hated Christ, they'll hate you. And we'll find that in the world that we're living in today that things are waxing worse and worse and, and it's getting very close to persecution to the church. And we can see that in our lives today. Just as David at times, he lost momentum, didn't he? He lost momentum in his life because of the experiences that he was going through. And we do as well. Sometimes as we're going through life and things is going well and we're, we're enjoying church and we're just enjoying one another and we're having a great time in the Lord and then all at once problems and disappointments and, and then all at once our, we begin to lose momentum, don't we? It slows us down. Our only help, though, comes from the Lord. It doesn't come through anything but the Lord. David knew that. That's the reason he called out to him from time to time. Knowing that... Uh, he can deliver us because he reigns. Our God reigns. That'd make a good song too, wouldn't it? <laughs> Our God reigns. And he reigns over Satan and over all the evil. And David was a sinful man and he made mistakes and some bad choices in life. And haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we're all sinful. Yeah, we find that we make some bad mistakes and we make some bad choices in life. But we find that God was always on his mind, and God regarded him as a friend. Would you want to be a friend to the Lord? Well, as we trust in the Lord, then he considers us as a friend as well. Even when we mess up, even when we sin. Uh, we find in John chapter 15 that Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know this master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have heard of my father. I have made known unto you. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that wonderful? You can be a friend of God. And we are friends of God. If you trust Him, He is your friend. Yeah, I want to live so others might know that Jesus is my friend. I want people to understand that. I want them to see that. I want them to know that. And that means I want to honor and I want to respect and I want to obey God's word. I want to follow him. And then whenever that I leave this world, I just like to be able to stand before him and he'll say, hello, my friend. And then he'll say, enter in to those joys prepared for you. So let's look at verse 1. That was just an introduction. <laughs> Here's verse 1. Here's verse 1. In verse 1, he says, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. That's the King James Version, and we find that the NIV Version says, Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. Where else can we take refuge but in the Lord? Who else can help us as we go through this life? Who else knows us better than we know ourselves or anyone else who knows us? God is sovereign. He knows everything there is about you. There isn't anything in your life that is hid from him. There's not anything in your life that is secret. 
Even though you might think there's no secrets in your life, they aren't. Well, we'll find that he is with us and he, he is our refuge. We find the CSB version says, protect me. Protect me, O God. And we need his protection. We find that's the whole theme of this psalm, is to trust for God to preserve you and to follow him and then to see eternal life. What do you put your trust in? Hmm, that's the question we have to ask ourselves. What are you trusting in today? Are you trusting in finances? Some people do that. Some people are doing everything they can is to hoard up as much as they can. I've been watching television to see these commercials about, you know, these financial institutions. Says, you know, put your money here, you know, and by the time you retire, you'll have a big nest egg. and you know, No worries, no cares, no problems. Well, I got news for them. Money is not going to take away all of your burdens, your cares, and your problems and your difficulties in life. Although they want you to think that. Of course, that's an advertisement because they want to get your money as well. And they want to get their share. Or maybe you put your trust in power. Yeah, you'd like to have power over certain things in life. Maybe you want to have power where you work or maybe uh, power in some of the things in life. But, or maybe it's position. You'd like to have a position to where you can be looked up at. And, or maybe you want to put your trust in the government. God forbid. <laughs> God help us if we ever put our faith in the government. For they don't even know how to rule themselves, let alone know how to rule you. And we need to pray for them. Pastor says that. We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for those who are in positions of leadership uh, so that they might stop and begin to think about what they're doing in life. Anyway, we see these things are just part of Scripture, aren't they? The Lord tells us about that. Maybe you're putting your trust in science. Oh, that's another big one, isn't it? Hmm. Well, can any of these things provide you the real protection that you need? Can any of these things keep you safe? Can any of these things, can you put your trust in these things and they, and they give you the security and the hope that you need? No. No, we'll find that they'll fail you every time. They'll fail you every time. I remember back in the 50s and 60s, uh-oh, I'm starting to tell age. How many of you are, are born after the 60s? Oh, I see a hand there. There's a few hands there. You don't know what I'm talking about, but all of you older folks who lived in the 50s and 60s, God bless your hearts, uh, we've, we found that we were in the middle of something called the Cold War, weren't we? Mm. And if people in America were scared to death, you know what they were afraid of? They were afraid that Russia was going to unleash uh, some kind of bomb on us, uh, that they were going uh, to unleash a threat and, uh, and they were going to unleash nuclear weapons on us. And you know what they did? Those of you who lived back then, you know what they did. When they would, and you were in school, and I was little, I was in school, and they would have these alarms, and when the alarms went off, yet they do, the teachers would grab the children, put them under the desk and under, t under uh, tables. Now, I'm sure that would protect you from a nuclear blast. <laughs> but we trusted that, didn't we? We trusted that. We thought, oh, this is what you've got to do. Get under a table, get under a desk, and 
We'll be protected. Everything will work out. How silly could we be? <laughs> well, we get sillier. I, know, I read just this past month, on July the 13th, I read about a man who in Arizona, he bought a house. After he bought the house and moved in, and a, and a few weeks later, he had some neighbors was telling him, says, you know, there's something unusual buried in your backyard. He said, huh? He said, yeah, there's something unusual buried in your backyard. And he finally had to, two or three other people started telling him, there's something unusual buried in your backyard. Well, he got curious, and what did he do? He started digging up his backyard. <laughs> And you know, he found something. He found like a manhole cover. And he took that thing off and he found this a big concrete tube and a, and a spiral staircase going down in this tube. And he thought, what in the world? And so he went down and he investigated and he found that there was a big room down there underground. So he went to the... Uh, he went to the town center and into the, to the courthouse and he started doing some investigating and he found out that there was a swimming pool contractor who had a, uh, had a contract or had license to do some uh, contract there at that facility. And he said, well, I don't have a swimming pool. What were they doing? Well, they found out, swimming pool contractors found out they could build bomb shelters pretty easy. <laughs> and so this swimming pool contractor had built a bomb shelter. This man thought he'd be totally safe in that bomb shelter. Well, what if a nuclear bomb had gone off? What would be left? How could he come out of there? Mm. We are pretty silly sometimes, aren't we? We were to put our trust in the Lord. Well, actually, he did some more research, and he found out one pool contractor had built 500 of those in one, one year. 500 of them. Well, if we want to get just a little bit closer, let's look at 2019 and 2020. Ooh, what happened? Oh, COVID hit, didn't it? Oh, that nasty word, COVID. But it hit, and we find that people were scared to death. Were you scared? Oh, everybody, I think, was concerned, but some people were scared so much that they just, they just buried themselves. And you see, we listen to the scientists. We listen to the doctors, and they told us that isolate yourself. Just, just stay home, isolate yourself, and wear a mask, and, and stay six feet away from one another. And we did those things, didn't we? We did those things. Some people became so lonesome, and uh, some people contracted the COVID and ended up in the hospital, and they were all alone. They had no one with them. Why, they were isolated. I remember going to the hospital and seeing Jean Clary behind the glass there in the ICU. And I asked them, I said, let me go in and have prayer with her. And they said, oh, we can't do that. I said, why not? I said, you all put this stuff on and you go in there and you work with her. I said, I want to just put these things on, the gown and the mask. And I'll go in and I just stand beside her bed and pray with her. I said, she could hear that. I said, she'll know that somebody cares and her Lord is still there with her and give her some comfort and peace. And they said, oh no, we're not going to let you do that. And Sister Jean died alone and now see you. And we see that happened. And then we were told to get vaccinated. And, I'm not, and listen, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, folks. Don't go there. I'm not going there. I'm not saying that the vaccination's right. I'm not saying it was wrong. I said, you made that decision. That's okay. I'm talking about what we can see and the proof that we see in the world today. 
we should put our faith and our trust in the Lord. If we as a country would put our faith and our trust in the Lord, we would see things would be a whole lot different, even today. But they told us to get these, and then we find that that didn't work. They said, get the boosters, and we find that those aren't working. We find that today, vaccinated and unvaccinated are getting COVID. So we see that, you know, those things, we can't put our trust in those things. But we can trust in the Lord, for He is with us all the time. He promises never to leave us or forsake us. Then in verse 2, we find that David says, O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee. And what was he saying? He is saying, Lord, he said, You are my Lord, and I have nothing other than you. You are my faith. My faith and my trust is in you. David proclaimed that his life, that's what he was saying, my soul, his life, his life is what revealed that God was his Lord. He was living that. Just a few weeks ago, we find that uh, Pastor Jeremy was teaching on Psalms 90. Any of you here for that one? And that was a prayer by Moses. And in that prayer, we find that Moses said that our life is like a tale that is told. In other words, he was saying that, hey, your life is telling a story. Your life tells who you trust in. Your life tells what you trust in. Your life is telling a story of what you believe and what you trust in. And I've used that many times in funeral services when I've, I've read that scripture and I've told folks, I said, listen, I cannot preach this person's funeral. They preached it themselves by the life they lived. Everything that they've thought and everything that they've done and everything they put their trust in is revealed on how they lived. And how could I make any difference? How could I change that in any way? I can't. As a tree falleth, so shall it lie. But can you say with all clarity that your life reveals that the Lord is God and Savior? Is your life reflecting that today? That's what David was saying. He says, oh, my soul, my soul has said unto you the, that you are the Lord. And I'm trusting in you. And I'm letting my life reveal that. And so we find that we are telling a tale in the way that we live. Then in verse 3, we find that David begins to change thoughts here. He kind of gets off of the fact that he's trusting in the Lord and he's getting off of the fact that his, his life and his soul is, the, is honoring the Lord and is showing his faith and trust in the Lord. But then he starts looking at others. And he's talking about those who are trusting in the Lord. He says, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. What's he saying? He says, to the holy people that are in the land. He said, to those who are faithful to God. He said, these are the ones that I enjoy. I delight in them. You know, when we come to church and we look around at our brothers and sisters in Christ, can you say, I delight in you? I delight in you because you're my brother, you're my sister in Christ. You're living for the Lord. You're showing that your faith and your trust is in Him. You're here to worship and to praise God. And, oh, I delight in that. And I'm sure pastor delights in that. When he sees you worshiping the Lord, he delights in that. And David said that he delighted in these people who were faithful, these people who trusted in God, these people uh, who, who were noble, 
and love the Lord with all her heart. Matter of fact, we find the, uh, the t- scripture tells us that we are what? To love one another? Jesus said that. He said, I want you to love one another even as I love you. So we should delight in one another and then we should love one another and we should respect one another and help one another as we go through life. And that's what we do when we come to church. I look around and I see a few folks here that are visiting other individuals in our church who are suffering and hurting in different ways and they're ministering to them. And those people are delighting in those who are visiting and helping. They delight in their lives that they come to be with them. And then in Psalms 4, we find that uh, verse 4, that he begins to change his thoughts again. Now he has thought about those that he can delight in, those who are noble, those who, uh, those who were faithful to the Lord. And now then he's looking at those who aren't so faithful. He says, their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after other God, another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my, into my lips. It's interesting, isn't it? that he is talking, I don't think he's just necessarily talking about the people of his day. I think he's looking into the future. He said, there's coming a day when all of these who don't trust the Lord will stand before him. Or there's coming a day that when the Lord comes that these people's sorrow will be multiplied. Well, sorrows are multiplied even in our day and time. We find that we see sorrows being multiplied upon people today. Because of disobedience and unwillingness to serve the Lord. And we, did, we find that completely in the beginning, didn't we? With Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they, they disobeyed God. Why did they disobey God? Because Satan said, well, he's holding back on you. You can be God yourself. Oh, they wanted to be gods, didn't they? They followed after another God. And who was that? Themselves. And we find that they ended up with their sorrows being multiplied. Remember, they was kicked out of the garden and there was thorns and thistles that grew up and and Adam had to work by the sweat of his brow. That was sorrowful. And we have to do that today too, don't we? (laughs) But then we see that uh, Eve, you know, she uh, she had to have pain in childbirth and everything. Sorrows multiplied and it just keeps getting worse as time goes on. But we see these things. David said he understood the sorrow of the wicked would be multiplied. And he didn't want to be, have any part in their lives. And he didn't want to have any part in that. And he, would, he wouldn't even speak their names, he says. Do you accept the ways of those who have gone after other gods? You know, sad to say that sometimes we accept those ways. We shouldn't. We should tell them that God loves them and we should share the gospel with them. And we've been hearing that from the pulpits here at Lewis Memorial for as long as I've been here. We should share that gospel message. And we shouldn't be condoning or agreeing with their lifestyle. We can't do that. We can love them, but we can't agree with them. And we can't accept it. And then we find he goes to verse 5. Now... David's thoughts are coming back home, aren't they? You see, he he went to those who were faithful, and he went to those who were unfaithful. Now he's coming back around, and he says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup thou maintainest my lot. 
Here David was saying that this earth was, or this world, this earth and this world, it was not his inheritance. Is it your inheritance? I believe the scripture tells us that we're just pilgrims and strangers passing through, that our citizenship is not in this world, it's out of this world. And David understood that. David said, you know, that the earth or the world was not his inheritance. But he says, Lord, you, you, you are my true inheritance. You are my true inheritance. And knowing God, he was blessed. And and God held his future, and he knew that. Three questions we can ask ourselves. And one of them is, are you trusted in the things of this world? If you're trusted in the things of this world, they will pass away, folks. They won't last. You're putting your trust and your faith in something that will not last. And then we ask ourselves, do you understand that our blessings are of the Lord? Do you know all the things that we experience in life, the good things of life are from the Lord? I've had two or three people I've talked to this past week, and they've told me about how wonderful God has been to them throughout their life. And I know that they've had some difficulties. I've seen some of that, and I know that. But they rejoice in knowing that the Lord is on their side. And they know him as their savior. And how wonderful that is. And then thirdly, do we trust the Lord for our future? Are we so afraid of things that are going on in our world today that we want to dig a hole and crawl in it? Or are you looking to the future and knowing the Lord's coming? The Lord's coming. And it won't be long. You say, well, how do you know that? I look around and I see the things going on. And and even if he doesn't come in my lifetime, it still won't be long. You know, he said he was going to return. And how many years ago has that been? Over 2,000? And yet he's closer today now than he was 2,000 years ago. He's coming, and he's coming soon. Then in verse 6, he says, The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Oh, David, he may have even been thinking about the boundaries of the promised land to Israel. He may have been thinking about those things. But one of the things that he said, he said, I'll compare my boundaries with the the boundaries of those of Israel. And he says, I know that the boundaries that God has set for me, they are a pleasant place with a beautiful, a beautiful inheritance. Was he looking for something here in this world? I believe he was looking into the future. I believe he was looking for that inheritance with God when he would be home. Are you looking for that inheritance today? Are you trusting that whenever this life is over that you will receive all of the blessings that God promises you? Absolutely. David knew that. Think of David after uh, taking time after uh, asking God to preserve him and thinking about God providing him with a beautiful and a peaceful boundaries that are eternal. And he said, preserve me, O God, for I put my trust in you. And I believe he probably sat down and he probably thought about the beautiful boundaries that God has set for him that are eternal. And then in the midst of our troubles and our trials in life, do you ever stop? And do you ever sit down and you let the Spirit of the Lord begin to minister to you? Showing you that all of your trials are nothing to compare with that eternal inheritance which you're going to receive. I believe the Apostle Paul had something to say about that. We find the Apostle Paul said in Romans in chapter 8, I believe it's verse 18, he was talking about the righteous. 
And he was saying there, he said, I, he said, yep, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed to us on that day. All the sufferings and the troubles and the trials. Did Paul have any of those? <laughs> Absolutely. You remember the Apostle Paul said, you know, he says, I, I don't want to know anything except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he said, and to know him in, in his sufferings, in his pain, and he did. He got to suffer a lot. Then verse 7. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. Here David's thankful for the wise advice provided to him by the Lord. And where do we find God's wise advice today? Is it not right here in his holy word? We find it right here in his holy word. And it's directed by the Holy Spirit. Even when he is in trouble at night and was unable to sleep, the Lord directed his thoughts. When you're able to, unable to sleep and you're going through problems of trying to get some rest, just think on the Lord. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to minister to you and to help you. Then in verse 8, he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Wow. As I said, that would make a good song, wouldn't it? Yeah, here David says he meditates on the Lord always and he shall not be moved. I believe it was Pastor who spoke on Psalms 1. And in Psalms 1, what did we find? Uh, we find that the psalmist said uh, to the, about the righteous, says, and his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and he shall not be moved. That bringeth forth that uh, that tree will bring forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf shall also shall not wither. And he says, and whatsoever he does will prosper. Now David understood that. Well, David was the one who wrote the first psalm, wasn't he? <laughs> he understood that. And then we're going to close with the last three verses, verse nine, ten, and eleven. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. And here we find the Hebrew for that means he dwells confidently in hope. He dwelled confidently in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or in the grave. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now we find that the Apostle Peter and Apostle Paul use these verses to refer to Christ and his resurrection and that application is completely acceptable. But I believe that David was looking at himself too. He said, you'll not leave my soul in hell. And he's talking about himself. And he knew that there'd be a resurrection. Well, we find in 1 Corinthians it says that uh, the corruptible cannot inherit that kingdom but the corruptible will become incorruptible one day when there's a resurrection. But we find, that, uh, we find that David was talking about that. David knew that. David knew that he would, uh, he would not suffer his Holy One to see corruption. The corruptible will become incorruptible and we will inherit. And what does he say in the last verse? He says, for thou wilt show me the path of life. And I don't think he's talking about the path that we're walking on right here. I think he's saying that the Lord will show him that path to that heavenly city. <laughs> yeah. 
He'll show me that path of eternal life where I will be with him. Why? Because he goes on to say that God will show him eternal life and, and in his presence. Now, how are we going to get in his presence? That's once we get to that eternal life. He says, and in his presence, he would experience joy. Joy. Are you looking for that joy? I'm looking for that joy. And he says, and there will be pleasures forevermore. Wow, can you imagine what is in store for us? Well, I have not seen nor ear heard nor is in the heart of man the things which God has in store for them who love him. But just a few verses under that, he says, but we get a glimpse. We get a glimpse in the Spirit. Isn't it wonderful? I believe when we're all gathered together like this and the Spirit of the Lord is moving from breast to breast, we're getting a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like. Just a glimpse, a very small glimpse. There's going to be so much more that we can't even fathom everything. Well, we find that the Apostle Paul was caught up into the third heaven and he wasn't able to tell about the things he saw. No wonder he looked forward to going to heaven. No wonder he said to die was gain. Yeah. But we find that we need to remain true unto the Lord. And as the psalmist was sharing with us here, Kurt, in Psalm 16, as he was sharing with us, that he trusts, his trust and his confidence is in the Lord. And let's put our faith and our confidence in the Lord. And his internal promises so that we might find rest for our souls right now and that we might look for that eternal home which is coming. And that we might be able to recognize the fact that in eternity we're going to experience joys and pleasure forevermore. Amen. That's Psalm 16, and I hope that you've received something good out of it, and uh, I hope that you're re rejoicing and that you're looking forward to that heavenly home. So let us pray.